0: Hey,
1: everybody, and welcome back to the Call Her Auntie podcast. Um, we wanted to start off with this episode and say it's sponsored by INAC. We're all on Zoom wearing glasses, so thank you <laughs> the government for funding us being able to see today. Um, <laughs> but today on the call, we have our dear friend, Dallas Zunez, who is out in Calgary, I believe. Um, Grace, do you want to talk about where we met him?
0: So you've known of Dallas or maybe longer than I've known of him, but uh, we met him a few years ago, at least I did, and we brought him into our work function and he did um, a talk. So it was really nice meeting you then. And so much has changed on your end personally since then. So it's nice to like finally see you again and get an update on, on everything. Yeah.
2: Much has changed. Much, much has changed. Can I start talking now, or should I not talk?
1: Yeah, yeah. I start talking. Maybe <laughs> <baking> talk <laughs> about the weather. Okay. <laughs> where you are.
2: <laughs> Two things. First, thank you for having me. It's an honor. You know. Uh, second, uh, I often think about when I came to speak at that graduation, and it haunts me because it's still, for sure, the worst speech delivered delivery i've ever given and i was crushed after it and i think about it from time to time because i did so bad uh i had done like some really good talks right before so i didn't prepare i was getting all cocky like i got this like people just eat up what i'm gonna say and then i got there and i just bombed and i just made people feel bad and i didn't even speak that long it was just so quick and bad so i'm sorry i hope I hope this, whatever, you know, whatever we talk about today is not as depressing. You know what I'm saying?
0: No. <laughs> but
1: to make it a relief, I forget what you talked about. I just remember Perfect.
0: laughing. <laughs> I remember you moving a lot too. Yeah. And I remember being really like, this is so great.
2: <laughs> I don't know. Don't- maybe I move when I get nervous or something. Or when I know I'm bombing. I'm like, okay, how can I? Uh, how can I change this up, you know?
1: Well, we were entertained. Perfect. So you can rest easy now with
0: that.
2: <laughs> I'll rest easy with you letting me off the hook. I appreciate that.
0: And we invited you on here, so that that, that says something too. <laughs> yeah, you didn't bomb that hard.
2: Fair enough, I appreciate it.
1: OK, but yeah, we met you. Um, I remember meeting you when you were with Kendall Netmaker at NAG one year and I was like oh my god these people are so cool they are other athletes who like are around my age and then I saw you were dating Jamie at the time and now you're married and I was like yep. oh my god I'm obsessed they're both <laughs> of the athletes like and then I have like she might think i'm a creep but i like went to her game when she played at the pan am games so I'm like, oh, no i love her i love the state of check she was like serving
0: i, I was like played.
1: cheering
0: for her <laughs> like, awesome. for i remember like when i was a student clay and you were you like sent me an instagram post of like their engage their engagement ring when they got married, and you're like, look at how sweet this is, and I was like, oh Aww, cool, like that, uh, yeah, oh you guys, was
2: that's so nice. I appreciate that. Jamie's going to be very touched by that for sure. Um, I like
1: log out though. She'll be like, oh no,
2: <laughs> <laughs> bye.
1: <laughs> okay, crazy people.
2: No, <laughs> she will be very very much flattered. Um, yeah, she was a crazy good athlete. And uh, I'm realizing now, part of what made her so good, she had all the physical attributes and whatever, but it's because she's very, very stubborn. Um, Headstrong, beautiful, she's beautiful. Her head is beautiful, but her head is strong. Um, And that's kind of what makes her, turns out a really good mom. Like I thought she was gonna be a good mom. You always hope, you know? But you don't know until that thing comes flying out and then it's just there. And then you have to deal with it. Um, actually, let me tell you about that. She's probably going to get bad. Well, the, the labor or whatever was relatively quick. Like we had a, we she had a fairly routine birth. Like she wasn't in labor for 48 hours and whatever. Um, the, when Ren finally came out, it's very scary. Like it's wild. Like this alien comes out. And there's there there like 18 people in the room. Like, it, like more and more people started coming because he was a little stuck at the end. Anyways, we got him out and they pick him up and everybody goes, oh, in unison. Cause everybody wanted to see this enormous baby because like we're tall and we knew Ren was gonna be tall. He comes out and the first thing that happens is Jamie is like in a different, like you become an animal. You don't, you, you're not using the front of your brain for like executive decision-making you're you're literally like i don't know a hundred thousand years ago whatever like the first humans that's the part of your brain that's functioning and she just goes well i guess i can't curse but she just goes holy and she starts cursing <laughs> I'm like oh my gosh because this thing just pops out of you and then, then they put it on you and then you're like oh gosh this thing's here forever now like it's just become it feels like a sprint that is actually a marathon it feels like you're going sprinting pace but it's a marathon for the rest of your life so she was up for like she was awake for about four days after that maybe five days like adrenaline just hammers into you like you have so much adrenaline from the labor the birth and then you're you're like okay i have to keep this thing alive i don't know what's happening So it took like five four or five days before she actually like had you know a couple hours sleep um and it it was in those four days that i realized okay i think i picked the right woman because i I had no idea what i was doing she had no idea what she was doing but we were like getting it done you know as like i say a partnership but she does nine out of nine ninety percent of the work um so, yeah, she, a silent she's silent uh, partner. Yeah, I, I, I should be silent anytime I say something. Like, no, 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 you're right. You're, you're right. Let's do it that way. Yeah, she's a incredible partner.
1: And yeah, for our, our listeners, that was such a beautiful story to hear it from the male point of view, because um, we always hear like the women's birth stories. But Dallas and Jamie, they just had a child. And how old is Ren now? He is, I think
2: just over 13 months or whatever is that the age where you're still counting in months I guess
1: okay yeah not 35 no (laughs) (laughs) and so part of this episode is we're gonna hear from um part one and part two so part one is with Dallas and then part two we'll have Jamie on and we're asking them the same questions about love and their relationship and becoming new parents so um that was a that was cool to hear from your end I remember when I finally met my nephew and he was like a little like a squish I like held him and I burst out crying because I was like you're here and now we have to now like and then that's when like the responsibility was there you're like we have to look after you for your life yeah and but I was so happy he was like here now because yeah it is like we're waiting we're waiting we're waiting and it's like okay and then they finally like get there yeah, and I
0: cried, yeah. I'm so happy.
2: It's super, it's super intense, you know?
0: That's Oof. what I was gonna say, an intense time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember when we brought um, our my son home, um, he was like in his car seat and we were so tired and he was just sleeping in his car seat and we just like put him on the floor and we both just passed out on the couch because we're like, we need this. Like, he's not crying. He doesn't need us right now. Keep him there. And we're going to sleep. And we, we slept for a little bit, but yeah, it's, it's a crazy time. And I feel like, you know, like you're preparing so much for this baby throughout the pregnancy. And then you're not really preparing for the changes that, you know, Dallas and Jamie are going through within like 24 hours. They're going to become parents. Like, it's, it's a, it's honestly like a wild time. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, um, before I move on, I just want to get you to give like an intro to, of yourself, Dallas, for our listeners who may not know who you are. Um, I know you talked about sports and all that. So kind of give us your, your bio.
2: Oof. It's kind of all over the place. So I am partially naked. Partially Anishinaabe. Those are the two parts. <laughs> Put those together, and you get whatever I am—some sort of mix of those two. Uh, not Ojikri, but like I'm a mix of yeah, whatever. And uh, I live in uh, I live in Calgary now. I was uh, probably the reason I'm speaking to you guys today is because myself and my wife were professional athletes for a long, long, long time. Uh, we played on the national volleyball team. I played for about 13 years and my wife, Jamie, played for about seven. Uh, she is a uh, Coast Salish um, <clears throat> and a uh, French Canadian. So when we now have a baby, and uh, his name is Ren Sunyas, Ren is a fake name. His name is actually Ren Kishig Sunyas. So he has, his name is half or partly Anishinaabe, part Nehiya. Um, and Ren is just not a a thing it's just a name we came up with um let me think what else can I tell you about me uh I'm I'm retired my body's exploded I coach now because what you can't do you teach so that's what I'm up to and uh yeah there's other things but uh that's that's me that's me
0: where did you grow up Dallas
2: I grew up in Red Deer Alberta and uh you notice I'm not there anymore. We decided not to spend our time there anymore. My parents moved away from there as well. We figured we'd come to a more uh more metropolitan place like Calgary.
0: Calgary, yeah. So you've always lived in Al- Alberta.
2: Yeah, not necessarily kind of, but no, in Calgary or sorry, in Canada. Actually that's not even true. Uh, I lived in Winnipeg for like six years and Ottawa for like 10. Um and then for eight to 10 months out of the year I'd live in Europe or Asia or wherever oh, I was playing. Cool. Um, yeah. So I, I've lived in like 15 different countries and, uh, while having a home base, which I would spend three to four months, uh, in Canada. Um, but yeah, it's the same thing for my wife. We, we both lived all over the place.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Where did you go to school, and then did you graduate?
2: Yes, I went to Red Deer College initially, Um, and then I went to BYU for like 30 days. I don't know if you guys know anything about BYU. It's a Mormon university in Utah. has a really strong volleyball program, but that was about it. And I had to, I couldn't handle it, and I went back to Red Deer College. Then I went to U of A, University of Alberta, for two years. And then I decided to go play professional volleyball because I was in school to play volleyball. I wasn't. I would go back and forth about being serious about studying. Uh, but I've, later in life, I find out when I got serious about studying, it, it was so hard. Even when I was trying really hard, my grades were still garbage. And I found out the second time I went to school that I'm very much dyslexic. I have dysgraphia. I just calculate so like all ways of western learning I am garbage at but I really understand I don't know I, I, uh what was it the physical world or whatever I I, I was a good athlete it was like mm-hmm. it, it was very very natural and uh, I worked hard at it and got better anyway so after I retired the reason I, the reason I went and started playing pro before graduating is because I knew I only have so many years in my body to earn money playing professionally. And at a certain point, my knees or my shoulder or my back are going to blow up. And in the end, they all did. Um, but I knew like the university was always going to be there. It wasn't, wasn't going anywhere. So after I retired, uh, Jamie and I decided to uh, retire to Calgary because it's just far enough away from both our parents. Uh, but it's close enough. Like we're going to go see them tonight, you know, but they can't just pop over. They have to call first, that sort of thing. You know? Uh, so we, we settled in Calgary. I went to the the university of Calgary and, uh, finished a a psych degree there. And then after that I got a graduate certificate from UBC in high performance coaching and, and leadership, uh, Jamie will probably tell you but she she got a full ride scholarship to the University of Montana and uh, so she became a teacher she's a high school teacher and she's super good at that Hi. she's actually in the hall of fame down there I don't think she would mention that but I got to mention there's like a little picture of her among all these football players so yeah she's James a big deal
0: that's so cool
2: there's the so, no longest answer to like the smallest question. I'm not I'm sorry I don't know how long these episodes normally are.
0: <laughs> it's good to know like the more information the better. <laughs> Part of our podcast is that we're
1: both aunties. Um were you ever an uncle or was Jamie an auntie before Ren?
2: Yeah yeah um I have uh I have nieces and nephews that are older than me. So like I was born into this uncle game, you know, and, uh, yeah, my, I have sisters who are much older than me. So I've I've always just had nieces and nephews. I have like a great nephew now, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah. Wow. It's been a while.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So, um, when did you, um, when did you start playing volleyball and it, was that like the first sport that you like were interested in? Um, I don't know. Tell me about that.
2: Yes. My, my brother and I were pretty lucky in the sense that we grew up in a, in a small city that had, had many different sports going on. So my parents threw us in everything they could. I think mostly because we were like had so much energy when we were kids. So we played everything. I remember at one point, uh, I was on like six teams at once, like just practice to practice to practice to practice. So we were super lucky with the uh, opportunities that were in the town we were in. Um, my brother, he, he settled on basketball. And kind of because of him choosing basketball, I chose volleyball. I wanted to try my own thing. Um, and I I really like the culture aspect of volleyball. And by that, what I mean is it's a game, it is a, it's a pure team sport in the sense that at least three people need to touch the ball to make a single play. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you look at basketball or baseball, you can dominate the sport as a single athlete. Um, I think baseball really is an individual sport clouded as a team sport. But volleyball, everybody has to be involved. I I do think that's why it's so popular in a lot of our our northern, like, isolated communities. Mm -hmm. Because you don't even really need a net. You can, if you have a ball, you can just play in a circle. And uh, everybody touches the ball. Mm -hmm. Nice.
1: That's what I like about sports. And I like about, like, sports that don't cost a lot. Like, wait, I mean to say, that's what I like. Um is that there's an economical side to sport. I know there's like a really better way to say it, but I like <laughs> cheap, cheap games. Like hockey is expensive. Oh my gosh. baseball's expensive. Like all you need is like shoes and a ball to play bo- volleyball or basketball.
2: Mm-hmm. You don't even need shoes to play volleyball. I see a lot of like, go, I go to res tournaments now and again and just see like athletes, no shoes. Don't need them, turns out. Uh, And it's the same thing with, with soccer or football in places like Brazil. Like you don't even need a ball. You just like create a ball and you can learn and play and get better and better. You know, Mm. I really hope our kid doesn't want to play hockey because like, my gosh, that is so expensive. Even for like, you know, third, not even second, but like really third hand equipment. Like, ugh. Well, Grace, you probably know. Did, uh, your, does your kid, is he's, he have hockey equipment?
0: Um, He's in skating lessons, but he's like at, I'm pretty sure next year is going to be the age where like we decide what, if he goes into um, hockey or, or doesn't, but um, he really likes skating and he's re- like really good at it. Like the first time Um, I'm sure you're starting to realize this. Like, maybe any like programming you've done with with Ren, you're doing it as like with them, right? Like it's all parent involvement. But this was the skating. We just literally put skates on him and threw him out there, and we were behind the glass, and we're like, Where's like the coaches? Where's like the people helping him? And he like could barely stand up. His eyes were swelling up with water. And we're I were like, Oh my god, like this is the worst thing ever and then he just kept going each week and like it was really awesome to see and like I think that's like something to look forward to is just to like see them you know like so determined at something so um yeah I'm not at the point yet where I'm uh having to fork out thousands of dollars yet for for hockey but we'll see what he's into I mean I think you know, that's what we hope for as parents is just to give our kids the opportunity to play any sport they want to. And, you know, whatever they they're interested in will be something we'll support. So, yeah.
2: If I can mention, I think you're doing a really good thing. If I can to my own horn for a moment, Uh, I never really played hockey. um, But I used to love skating so much. Like I used to go to the outdoor rink. Like I spent so many years just, just going and going and going like it. It doesn't have to be organized hockey, you know, like he might suit, he might just really like skating. Also, um, I'm sure you guys know this, but success loves trauma and your son probably getting thrown there on his own. You said he was getting very upset, but that's, he worked through it and that's so good for him, you know, Mm -hmm. Like now, now he loves it. You know, mm-hmm. it's just a—it's uh, too bad, but it's it's true. Like success
0: loves trauma. Yeah, that's true. I like that. Well, so, I finger- so, oh, sorry, Koi. I just wanted to
1: mention my dad. One of the things I, when my brother was um, expecting his child, I was like, Dad, what was the one thing you were looking forward to when Mom was expecting my brother Nim? And he's like, I can't wait for them to for him to play sports. And like, every time he had a kid, he's like, I can't wait to see what they're good at and like what sport they do. And I think that's such a cool thing that you guys are too both looking at like, oh, what are they going to be good at? Or what are they going to try and fail and keep going at to see them grow?
2: So so our whole plan from even before Ren showed up was we want a six foot 10 left-handed closing pitcher for the Yankees. And then we're just going to retire. (laughs) But I think because we put it out there so much, Ren's just going to want to like write poetry or something. And like, he'll just be this physical phenomenon that like paints or something. But as long as he's good, you know, find success, it's all good. He could do whatever.
0: He's good at something. That's what I was saying. Um, So like our listeners know, like I'm expecting number two. Um, And like we wanted them to be closer in age because my son is five years old. Um, and then it just like, wasn't in our plan to have them closer in age. And I'm like, you know, maybe someone just looking down on us and know that we have to spend all this money on Nico and he's going to be this professional athlete. And we're going to like retire early. And I'm like, that's just in the cards. Like that's, that's how it's going to be. It's going to be, but now he has a sister coming. So we'll, we'll see what, (laughs) what she's into.
2: nice. She'll have an older brother
0: yeah yeah it i think it's gonna be great mm-hmm. i think when you have older brothers or you have
1: only brothers i i don't know what you grace but i feel like you're not you're just more you're not delicate you're more rough like i slam i slam things around all the time like you know like nespresso's are like touch and it goes i'm like slamming it down <laughs> and i'm like <laughs> tossing things and then i didn't realize that a lot until I had like friends who were, had only had sisters. But then I also realized that getting my nephew, like he, they copy you. They literally copy everything you do. So I threw something and then he grabbed a towel and threw it too. And I was like, oh no, I need yeah. to I need to go and place it <laughs> so that he doesn't like knock over anything else. Cause he's just like trying to copy you. Oh, I'm yeah. like, oh yeah.
2: Um, I, I credit that. Jamie has two older brothers. And, like, a dad, like a farmer dad who's just very hands-on with everything. Uh, And that, like, I got so lucky marrying Janie in that situation because she just gets how dudes are dumb and just how we function. And she knows how to, like, operate within that world. You know what I mean? Because, like, if I had married, God forbid, if I had married somebody else, and it was a, 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 a young lady who had just grown up around, like, four sisters. Like, I uh-uh, wanted to work. You know what I mean? So, like, that's a blessing, I think, for you there, Quay. You had four sisters, or
1: older sisters. so I she was blessed, sisters. too.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you should remind her of that when you speak to her. Because, uh, you know, I think that'll help me out.
1: so our next question is what was the mo- most important thing that sport has taught you
2: oh man there's lots and lots of things I think um, well when I turn it around and I'm teaching young people young athletes I think the most important thing is to be adaptable um as I mentioned before like I've lived in a lot of places some Some places were great. Some were terrible. But it's your job and you have to find, you can't just, nobody cares if you're unsuccessful. They just know you're unsuccessful. Nobody cares why. It's, well, he couldn't do the job. So you need to find a way to have success in whatever garbage situation you have. Or like the most success you can get out of the situation. So uh, I try to teach young people, be adaptable. Understand that it's A, you have an opposition who's trying to beat you in every single way. And then B, there's things within your own life and your own surroundings that are not going to be ideal. So you have to be able to adapt and get the most success out of any given situation you can.
1: Thanks. I like that. It reminds me, again, like, of my dad, though. Because every time I would lose at sports, I'd be like, pissed and like throw my bag in the van and be like fuck this well i kid not saying that but like, like so upset and he'd be like well did you have fun did you try your hardest i'm like yeah but that wasn't good enough and then he'd be like it's okay like go back and try and then now that like i'm at living life i'm like sometimes we fail at work and i'm like okay on to the next but i'm like that
0: teaches you so much like yeah like about but also like never giving up Dallas is also a dad now too so maybe yeah like a softer approach to (laughs) to like his thinking
2: honestly I think I'm gonna be the soft one and Jamie's gonna be the one like Randall get in the car after a game and Jamie's gonna be like what the hell was that you know like because that's the way her parents were they were very direct with it whereas my parents were more we get in the car you know we try to take a minute and then uh so how was the game you know whereas (laughs) jamie's parents complete opposite uh so we'll probably have a good balance there
0: yeah that's good um quay since we're all athletes here what has sport taught you because we all play different sports like so dallas is volleyball you're basketball i did curling so what said it was like not giving up not giving up oh
2: sorry yeah sorry <laughs> I mean there's what lots you- of things it's not just like one lesson that you learn you know what yeah I,
1: mean? I think also um, like working with diverse people like everyone true. came from such a different background in basketball like we had really wealthy families compared to like me or like other middle class families and like it didn't matter what like what where where you were in life but like it just mattered in that 60 minutes but what about you grace because you curling so different like wait can i tease you for a second
0: tease me or dallas you okay
1: <laughs> you can take this out <laughs> remember you were like players of the game and i'm like yeah and you're like players of the game we need more than 30 and i'm like no we have four that can do it you're
0: like players of the game and i'm like okay wait a player of the game is the best player of that game <laughs> okay background info dallas um at our work there's the basketball championships next month uh-huh. and so we were we were to source out um like we got birch bark medallions made really? Um and we're so we got like 30 because it was supposed to be for the like the championships team and then um you know, like the director got back and was like, oh yeah, so we'll like award them to like the players of the final four game, four games. And I'm thinking like four teams, 30 times four, like we do not have enough medals. And Quay's like, no, that's not, that's not it. It's (laughs) the players, you know, like the MVPs kind of, I don't know, of each game. So yeah, I didn't get that at first. So in mm-hmm. your
1: defense, we were texting, so you couldn't hear the emphasis on
2: the ass. player
1: of the game versus players of the game. So yeah, it was it was confusing, Grace.
2: <laughs> did you <laughs> did you get a whole bunch of birch bark medallions?
1: Not no, we we stuck with our number.
2: Because
0: okay. we we're
2: good. We stuck okay. with our number. Yeah. We uh with with my college team, I coach the State Trojans. That's a college in calgary actually the trojans might end up at this national tournament oh um but with our volleyball team at state jamie and i and her mother actually patty we we made a trojans beaded medallion that uh we give to a different player every week depending on who you know did the most for our little volleyball team community um (laughs) They take so long to make, if you guys ever beat a medallion (laughs) like
1: we beat it, but not a medallion. because That would be a long time.
2: (laughs) Jamie and I are new at it. And and so is Patty, her mother. It took like at least a month or whatever. I hope, I hope the players appreciate it. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's originally what we wanted was beat a medallions, but with just a short turnaround, um, we're like can you do it and they're like we're gonna need a team to make that deadline and we're like yeah true so we under we totally understand like those beaters like it's hours and like weeks like days like it's a long time
2: have you guys seen res dogs okay you know the episode where where bear wants to like have a medallion made for his dad who's coming and and coco like yeah. i'll have it done by tomorrow it's like whoa 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 <laughs> the medallion though ridiculous is huge that would take at least a month for like a season to beater you know what i'm saying and she gets it done in like a day anyways that's like my only problem with that show i love that show of all the
1: things well it really um yeah i thought like she would be up all night she was yeah. just
2: going. yeah ridiculousness
1: Okay, so speaking of beating and like reclaiming our cultural things, what traditional teaching do you carry with you every day?
2: So what I try to do is, as I mentioned, like I can't really learn in a Western way, like when I break it down to people, say you're in class, there's a list of stuff that you wanted, that you're gonna learn. You're, this is the order we're gonna learn it in, and this is how this works. Uh, I'm pretty bad at that, turns out. I look at the medicine wheel, which is, you know, circular. Mm-hmm. And the way, the way I interpret it is it's all about balance in the way you teach. So when I teach, I try to make sure there's always balance maintained um and there's there's so many ways to interpret that like when we're training a skill i don't want to burn them physically i don't want to just sit there and talk to them about the skill they need to do it physically i need to make sure that the players are not getting too upset but enough upset but not you know i'm trying to always make sure that when i teach something i do it in a balanced way so that that's probably what i what I carry with me the most, I would say.
0: I was totally just thinking about that that same thing. Um, like the medicine wheel, um, you know, it's like, it has so many diverse like means to it. And that's what I was thinking of balance. Like Quay and I are super, um, like we, we both like take counseling and we really try to promote that. Um, and that's like one of my big takeaways from, just counseling is making sure that like your balance, like if what if it, like a chair has like a shorter leg, it's not going to you're not going to be able to sit on it. So it's the same thing with like the medicine wheel, like it's got the four um, quadrants. And if one's burnt out, like, how are you, you know, going to be living that, that good life every day if, yeah. if one is um, lower so than the other. So yeah, I totally agree.
2: Yeah, some people it's crazy to think some people live that way without a leg on their chair and they're just Mm. constantly propping one way you know well I say some people I'm sure the three of us have done that for periods of time but it just must make so much more sense to do work to try to get balanced you know Mm.
1: totally yeah I think back to like my life in university where I'd be like practicing going to school working Weightlifting, like every day and like staying up and like I was even so crazy where I would only sleep in four hour periods because apparently your REM cycle is like that
2: yeah
1: or like during exam week and then it was so crazy where I would even have dreams where and that was like I was in school around the time like those engineers at Western were caught doing crack or something oh to stay up <laughs> so that I had a dream that like I was in the library like snorting to like stay up and like do all my exams and study and I'm like that was not a balanced life back then
2: no no the pressure involved Oh. I have I have some engineering friends and like I watch I have an engineering friend he's Italian and he was going to like the top school in London uh so but he was like commuting during the week it was the gnarliest thing but that dude never slept I yeah. Sorry, see. my
1: dad just came in, everybody listening to what that oh, <laughs> random thing was.
2: He's, he's, he walks in and his daughter's like, I was doing crack in college. <laughs> yeah, <that's what laughs> everybody
0: I, would the, it.
1: I saw no, him no, walk no, by no, when no. he
0: said that. And I was like, oh,
1: <laughs> yeah. You heard, I told you that story though, that dad, right about uni? You remember it. I was so stressed at school. I was dreaming I was doing cloak to pass yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you were crazy <laughs> okay sorry go ahead
2: me no I'm done I'm done
0: oh. <laughs> um yeah like even back to like a balanced life like I so this past year like I completely like changed my life around with really like my diet and how much that was affecting my like overall health. Um, And yesterday, I don't know like what I was going through, but I had coffee and it was something I did cut out. And (laughs) I'm honestly like, what was in this coffee? Because I think like the whole day I was having like some like anxiety attack and I went to bed at eight because I'm like, my mind is so tired from just like this overload of whatever, like, I'm feeling right now but my body was just like roaring to go and I'm like so I've been like learning a lot about hormones because that was like a lot about um was kind of off with me and and then even now in pregnancy I'm learning about like these hormones are rising and then they're just gonna crash like once I give birth and like how 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 is my body gonna react to that but um I learned a lot about like adrenal fatigue and I'm just like this is like what coffee is probably just like running my body like cr- like into the ground and it's not used to it and it's just tiring it out but like each day you know if we're into these like habits of you know like coffees like everything is in moderation that I'm just like I just totally feel my body like Going out of control, (laughs) and I'm just like after one coffee, and I'm like, oh my god.
2: Yeah, you know, I I completely this kidding. My entire professional athletic career, uh, all my teammates were chugging coffee before every practice, before every game, and I never did because I didn't want to become dependent on it. Mm -hmm. And then I retired. Freaking Jamie, just drug pusher instantly as soon as we started dating gets me just hooked on coffee and now I just chug it although I all these years where I should have been drinking it where it would have been useful now I just like no, no I'm, I'm just chugging espresso all day
1: <laughs> I okay I don't remember that being a big thing like I we were all really scared to like be running around on coffee with our hearts pumping out of our chest but now everyone like does pre-workout and things like that too and I'm like this is a this is an enhancement
0: yeah something <laughs> off here.
2: yeah yeah it's uh it's definitely like people don't treat it as a drug it's a drug you know the same thing like i, I really don't think people treat alcohol as a drug either like it's all just the same, same thing with, with smoking cigarettes it's just putting a drug in your body <laughs> to alter you know Ugh.
1: we talked about it on a different episode about like i think more about a lightly or like alcohol and drugs and smoking and caffeine even they all impact your brain chemicals and like mess you up so finding that balance again and like getting back to the baseline is really hard
2: yeah mm-hmm. i agree see okay do either okay i was about to go no, on go a ahead. heavy tangent <laughs> <Go ahead>.
1: <laughs> about <laughs> coffee i drink coffee
2: no about drugs in general but uh you know what it'll get cut from the episode anyway. So let's just talk. (laughs) Okay.
1: Let's talk more about um, the, this is like, now we're gonna get into the the real anti-gossipy part of it. So we wanna know about your relationship. So tell us, where did you guys meet?
2: Oh, such a long story. Okay, so we the, I, the first time I met Jamie Tebow, I was in college uh, I can't wait to hear if she tells the story and if she does how she tells it because she always like omits certain things and I'm like, no, no no, this is important. <laughs> so I met her I, I was in I believe my first year of college. I was scheming on this girl named Whitney.. Uh, Whitney had a younger sister named Shelby. Shelby and Jamie were best friends and Shelby and Jamie were in like grade nine or something They're Jamie's five years younger than me so one night I spend the night at Whitney's house she lives at home obviously with her parents and her her little sister um turns out Jamie and Shelby like Jamie spent like every night at Shelby's house or whatever so I'm a gentleman, you know, I I slept actually like in the hallway basically on this pullout bed um, and I sleep the longest. Whitney, Shelby, Jamie and their mom are all up. When I wake up, I come downstairs and there's this huge breakfast on the table. And I'm like, holy, I need to stay here more often. And uh, I sit down, we all start eating. And then Whitney's mother says, this is Shelby. I think you've met Shelby. This is, this is her friend, Jamie. Jamie plays volleyball too. At this point I'm, I'm on the national team, you know, I'm a big, I'm thinking I'm big stuff. And she says, this is Jamie. She plays volleyball too. And uh, she's going to be on the national team someday. And I'm like, yeah, good luck kid. You know what I'm saying? Um, Anything. It, it fizzles with Whitney, obviously I'm not married to her, Uh, although she we are still friends she's like a she's actually a cop now and she patrols our neighborhood so it's crazy how that happened um fast forward i guess another four or five years and jamie is on the national team and she did get a full ride scholarship and she is like leading the league that she plays in every year and uh she when she's on the national team we start to speak because like all this stuff that she's starting to go through i went through like five years before um and then uh you know like (laughs) i remember we're for example we're not dating at this point we're in uh we're both from sylvan lake which is or our parents both live in sylvan lake alberta so it was kind of crazy that the women's team and the men's team, we don't train in the same city, but both teams had a week off. So I went back to hang with my parents and I'm walking around the beach and so I'm like, there's Jamie, she has a week off too. So we hang out, we, uh, we go for dinner with a couple friends and we go back to her, her house and we're chilling in the hot tub platonically. And she's telling me about her boyfriend and I'm telling her about my girlfriend. We're actually both dating Americans at this point. Uh, She is explaining to me, she's she's just graduated. She's about to go pro. And she's like, yeah, so we've been together like three years. I'm going to go to France. I'm going to live in Cannes. It's going to be great. Um, And he's going to like do his thing or we're going to talk every night. And it's going to be good because we have like a really good relationship. And I'm like, okay um Jamie you're gonna be single by Christmas she's like no I don't think so you know we're like really solid in what we have it's we're different I'm like yeah yeah okay so fast forward like my current girlfriend calls me and freaks out so I leave but fast forward to Christmas I reach out to her I'm in I think I'm in where am I am I in China at this point I don't know wherever I am Hey Tebow, so how's it going? She's like, good. The seasons, whatever. So, how uh, are things with your boyfriend? <laughs> well, we broke up. It was like, yeah, I told, I well, I didn't say I told you so, but obviously,
1: I've did you ask her what month? No, before I the, knew
2: it was. It was It was just before Christmas, I believe. Um, and then at a certain point, we're like, okay, we should like start dating or whatever um before this happens the reason we basically get together i think it was 2012 there was a men's tournament in uh langley alberta or bc sorry langley bc uh, uh, uh an international tournament and the women's team just happened to be in bc a lot of them so they came to the tournament and then after the tournament they partied uh we all partied together and um essentially what happened is uh i was keen on maybe starting a relationship with one of the girls on the team and that night at the party she i I saw that she was like actually calling and like texting the captain of the opposing team like the american team (laughs) so i'm like okay well that's that screw this chick i'm out of here uh i go back to my room and it's like two in the morning, and I text Jamie because we're friends at this point. Hey, what are you doing? Hey, you up? You wanna? Do you want to come snuggle? And uh, no response. Although she gets she gets the message, obviously doesn't respond. Reason she doesn't respond is because she is in bed with my roommate, like the guy that I live with. That like the like the, he's younger on the team. He we live together. He two weeks before the tournament said to me. We're on the couch after practice. He's like, hey, hey man, I think uh I'm gonna like, I'm gonna like try to get with Tebow. I'm like, oh cool, man, I'd do that, you know? And he's like, yeah. yeah so so don't hit on her. I'm like, no, man, I wouldn't do that.
1: And then uh, what do you do? So wait, well, was she in it,
2: the next room? The, he's in like, I don't know, the next or the couple rooms away
1: okay you guys are i'm
2: like are you guys at your apartment <laughs> no so we're at our apartment talking about this two weeks before the tournament and then i don't hit on her but then i at at the party after the tournament i see it not totally working out and i think she might be vibing with me so like i waited till everything was over two in the morning and then i hit her with the hey you up you know what i mean anyways turns out she was in bed with him she claims they just snuggled or whatever i'm excited to hear what, what she tells you guys uh the next day she has to go to italy i have to go to china and we start speaking to each other in a way of like hey maybe we should like start a relationship um and that's kind of how we got together and then uh, about a year and a half later uh i was in montpellier france And she was in Italy and uh, she had a weekend off. So she drove the six hours to Montpellier and uh, I was there. I was injured at this point. Um, I had played in Montpellier like five, six years before. So I knew the town. So I had her meet me at like the old center, the old center, like the beautiful part of the town. And and, uh, that's where we got engaged down there. And uh, I actually gave her a ring with Coast on it. Yeah, <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the, the box is birch bark. I just wanted to mention that.
0: No, right explain together. explain the ring, Quay. Don't interrupt her. Sorry, on. I'm, sorry. I'm, the ring. I'm listening to so sorry. Ring,
2: the ring, uh, I had, um, it has a hummingbird on it. Hummingbird, did I say hummingbird? Yeah, because um, that's her thing she's very much a hummingbird and uh i had it done by an artist from vancouver island where her people are from so it had a a, a western aspect to it and then the box it came in um, i i had commissioned from my people out east and it, it has a hummingbird on the top of it uh from made out of porcupine quilts and it's a birch Birch Bark little thing. Like, yeah, so that was a that's how we did that.
0: That's so beautiful and so thoughtful. Oh my. God. When you were explaining that whole story, I'm just like, I can't wait to hear Jamie's side of it. She's gonna so own
2: it so much. So you up text, leave,
0: she'll be like, this
1: guy, this She's
2: guy. gonna leave all the <laughs> juicy parts out for sure. Well,
1: the we're glad you, you spilled it. some of it. <laughs> Okay, wait. So you, you guys, you asked her to come to, to that, that Mont, the Centerville? Oh, hey, yeah. And you had already been dating and you got engaged there or you guys went back?
2: we have been dating for like a year and a half or something like that. And uh, yeah, I, um, I was there with Team Canada. And like, I, I'd been in Canada training and we just did like a couple week trip in Europe, like a training thing. So, you know, I hadn't, we hadn't been together for like a couple months, because I was in Canada, she was in Italy. So it just happened that when I was there, she had two days off as well. So she drove the six hours actually got a speeding ticket or something on the way. And I had some of the young guys on the team come with us to to the center of the town and we had coordinated perfect triangulation of cameras because i wanted them to capture the moment from every angle and i'm like okay there's this huge fountain it's beautiful it's going to be all lit up and we got down there and it was but it was covered in 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 a bunch of stuff because there had just been a bombing I I believe in Paris so like this beautiful place was like okay it's covered in stuff maybe we shouldn't do it okay let's just do it here but then there was a huge protest coming towards this fountain I'm like okay this is not the place to do this so I looked at the other end of the town square and there was this enormous snow globe thing I'm like perfect okay audible so we go to the other side and all the the, the the three players that were with me, they uh, they completely lost the triangulation, whatever, we, we hopefully we'll get one shot, and I give Jamie the birch bark box with the ring in it, just like, oh my gosh, this is so nice, and she's just playing with the box, she won't open it, and I turn around and these protesters are now headed towards us on the other side of the square, I'm like, oh my gosh uh so i grab the box i'm like and maybe i should keep that you never know like pickpockets are crazy out here she gives it back and then the protest protesters they do their thing they finally about 20 minutes later go away i give her back the box she's playing with it again like a kitten like so then she finally opens the box and she sees the ring and she goes huh! she closes it and gives it back to me like she saw something she wasn't supposed to see and i'm like no, no no it's yours And I just had knee surgery. So I like slowly get down on a knee (laughs) and then she gets what's happening and then, you know, crying and then people gather and, you know, she says yes. And then we're like getting married. Wow. Uh, I remember like I asked her, that's the giant globe. That's it. So I remember um, I had a wild moment of clarity. Like I asked her if she would marry me. And she says, yeah. And then it hit me, I'm like, holy crap, I've had months to think about this and like kind of plan something out, although it's clearly not working out as hoped. I just spring this on her and she has to say yes or no like that, that seems so unfair. So I say, will you marry me? She says, yes. I'm like, wait, are you sure? Because this seems, this is so lopsided. Like I've known for a while. She's like, shut up. Yes, okay, we'll get married. (laughs) <laughs> and then and then and how uh, was that and we're engaged
0: that's so sweet um yeah. so like now that you two like are married uh, or you like it seems like you guys have been friends and then you know started dating then got married you no, know, got engaged married and then now you guys are parents how do you two maintain your own sense of self as a couple
2: we don't really, we're struggling with that. Being new parents is so yeah. tough. We, uh, we try to get away like once a month or something, but mm-hmm. it's not enough. Mm-hmm. Like you really, I've heard people say like to, to husbands, like you have to date your wife. Um, and like, it's so tough. She's like a full-time teacher. And then as soon as she's off work, she grabs Ren from daycare And by, I don't know, 6.30, she's like legit exhausted, like hits a wall. Mm -hmm. So it's like really, really quite difficult to like maintain our relationship. So right now it's kind of like, we're in this together. We just kind of got to get through it. I Mm -hmm. try to help her as much as I can. And again, she does all of the work. I just try to supplement stuff here and there. Because like the kid really needs her, he's starting to like hang out with me. Like <laughs> he really needs, and I've also heard a lot of fathers tell me behind closed doors they hated the first year. Like it sucks because like you can't do anything, and your wife Darn. is a different person, and it's just it's really really tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I agree with that. Like I have I have young friends who just got married or something. And Mm -hmm. they're like, tell me about fatherhood. And I'm like, it sucks. Don't do it. Like, unless you really want to do this, Mm -hmm. unless you think like you're really prepared for it, there's no way you should do this. You should keep having fun. Keep having your, you can do whatever you want every evening. You can, Mm -hmm. you can, if you have a weekend, you and your girlfriend or your wife, you can go to Vegas if you want. You can just Mm -hmm. do the dumbest stuff and So keep doing that unless you really, really wanna do this.
0: Like be selfish as long as you can.
2: Right, and I'm really, really trying to tell people this perspective because not a single friend of ours was honest with us before. Everyone was just like, so are you gonna have kids, yada, yada? Well, maybe. And it seems like all those parents, as soon as we told them that Jamie was pregnant, they flipped it just like that to like oh, you screwed up your life is ruined I'm like well why didn't you tell us this before you know so I try to be really honest with my young friends and be like no this is life-changing for the worst like it's not great for quite a while so be aware of that you know? yeah
0: totally the first year is definitely so hard I honestly I would say like the first like I feel like Nico didn't have like a schedule till like two o'clock like till two till he was two like he was going to bed at random hours like like at least he's five years old he goes to bed at eight and I like (laughs) trained him to like go to bed on his own where I don't have to lay with him for like hours um and that like has saved me because I'm like after a day of working and then you know, keeping them entertained. I'm like counting down the hours till bedtime. And I just like, I need them to like go to bed and I need those few hours to myself. Cause yeah. And you like, you don't have that when you have an infant, a toddler, like, but it does get a little bit easier. But I mean, even with this new one coming, we try to get away like once a month or just have a night off. And I'm like, we got maybe a couple months left of maybe having a night off once a month before we have a new baby that we're going to be with 24 seven for the next few years. Yeah. Um. So it's yeah, I totally under the stru- understand the struggle and appreciate how open you are about it.
2: Yeah, gotta be. Have you
1: and Jamie ever talked about having another one yet, or no?
2: Yeah, we talk about it all the time, and we're like, no, <laughs> let's chill. This one is so tough and we speak to parents who have two and they're like, oh, it gets easier. They take care of each other or something like that. And I don't believe them because of the track record of these parents. So we're thinking right now, well, we didn't plan on having Ren, Ren just showed up. Like Jamie was very much on birth control. (laughs) And then Ren's like, "No, nah, I want to hang out. So he just decided to come and be a person. So we're, we're not planning on having another kid right now. Like we're just getting our feet under us right now. Like she just got back to work. I'm just kind of getting, I have a bunch of irons in the fire right now. So to have another kid, it seems like a terrible time to do that. So we're trying to hold off.
1: They might just show up and be like, hey, I'm ready now. Exactly. (laughs) By the sounds of it. Okay, I don't want to, I don't know if I showed you this photo yet, but my nephew cannot stay off my brother. Like, he's always a little backpack. (laughs) Like, so just get ready for that.
2: I would love that. That's easier than, like, chasing him around. Yeah. Like, at least I know where he is. is. Look at that guy. No,
0: sorry. That's true. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah it's cute yeah Uh, our house is definitely not baby proof so it's constantly falling our kid around because he's just every day he's trying to find new ways to murder himself and it's so stressful so whatever it's our fault for putting him in this house i guess
1: okay so we're gonna wrap up but you said you had some irons in the fire do we have anything do you want to let any of our followers know what to what they can um see in the future or like expect from you anything well we
2: should be... i won't promote anything because there's nothing to promote but i'll say um i've gone into performing acting and writing a little bit so last summer i was uh i was I wasn't actually performing. I was the stand-in for the predator. There's a new predator movie coming out,
1: okay.
2: and oh. uh, the majority of the cast is indigenous. And it's a, uh, I know the film is going to look really good. I don't know, if, I don't know if it's going to be good or not. But I know, I, I promise, it's going to look really good. Um, so I, I, uh, I became close friends. With a young actor named Amber Midthunder. She's the star of this this movie. She's Lakota. Um, and she, her and Jamie are really good friends, actually. At this room, actually, that we're in, this was Amber's room for like two months at the end of the movie. Like she had this nice hotel downtown, but she just, I think she just wanted to be around a family. Um, anyway, so I wrote a, a, an episode about. Being a stand-in because it's ridiculous like you're not cat you're not a cast member but you're also not a crew member so you kind of just live in this gray area where sometimes people treat you really good and then a minute later you get treated like full subhuman like there's no it's it's kind of ridiculous anyway so i made the i wrote this short film i showed it to amber she's like this is cool i want to i want to produce it like what okay, uh, you can produce it if you star in it. And she's like, well, I've never done comedy because it's a comedy. Like, that's fine. You know, we'll figure it out. And she's like, well, I'll do it if you direct it. Like, well, I've never directed before. Well, okay, we'll figure it out. So here we are. So we're in the process of like pitching this show around to different networks. We applied for some grants and we made a little trailer that we can't put anywhere because we've like used it to promote to networks and stuff. Um, so that's like kind of the other lane that I'm in right now. I have that creative lane and also coaching and then being a dad. So there's uh there's a lot of stuff going on. But okay,
1: wait, what does a stand-in do? Like if we see predator, are you a shadow?
2: Okay, so yeah sorry i should have explained that so a stand in okay on these huge movies like this is like a hundred million dollar movie so the predator is in the guy he's in full costume like all day and this head the predator head is huge it's really heavy you can hardly breathe you can't really see you can't really be in this head you shouldn't be in this head more than like 15 minutes at a time so what will happen is the director and the, the, the director of photography and a bunch of the department heads on the film, they will go to a set. We'll go to a set and figure out where we're going to point the camera, where the lights are going to be, how we're going to try to set it up and like maybe walk through the shot. A stand-in will do that. So me. So I would stand in and I would have this, this fake predator helmet uh because the helmet makes it's like another foot taller so they need to know where to aim the camera you know um and it would take about an hour to set up most of the shots and then we would have to practice the camera movements like maybe the predator walks or a couple times like i would have to fall in a mud pit that sort of thing um and i'd be in like in a full wetsuit because it's the middle of the night and it's freezing and like this mud pit is like up to my chest so like that that's basically what a stand-in does is they set up the shot we get everything ready so then they can pop the head on the character they tell him where his mark is it's like okay here's your mark take four steps that way and like roar or something uh and then the actor will probably do that two three times they'll get the shot and then we'll Move on to the next shot, and then the stand-ins will set it up for another hour. That sort of thing. Oh,
1: okay, okay. So, like, when we go see it in theaters, we'll be like that scene.
2: Dallas set up. Literally everything I set up. Yes, I, I've, I've walked every scene. I, I, I might be in one shot, but it's not really me anyway. So, I, I won't say I won't say I'm in the film, but Jamie and Ren are in the movie
1: and like apparently Ooh, there's cool. like
2: a close-up of Ren and like oh. yeah so Ren that's is like a star. tiny little baby and when they showed up on set it like disrupted the whole set because every woman on set was like oh my
0: god a baby a baby <laughs> and at, oh.
2: at one point he started crying and Jamie looked around on set and every single woman was like doing the rock back and forth So like, apparently that's just built into moms. When babies start crying, you do the rock.
0: (laughs) That's so cool. Well, um, I look forward, we look forward to following you and, um, you know, seeing more of what you're going to be doing. And we'll keep a lookout for the Predator movie that is coming out. And we'll make sure to definitely tag your, your Instagram in our posts so everyone else listening can give you a follow. And um we also look forward to having Jamie on as well.
2: Yeah. Sorry to take up so much of your time, ladies. No. You're gonna have to to we'll
0: the so other side. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Dallas. I'm gonna end this episode, but we'll stay on just um to say goodbye to you after. So Thanks all for listening. So your podcast
1: and is know that life can be tough and we want to end our episode with promoting the hope for wellness talk line. The hope for wellness, um, helpline offers immediate help to all indigenous people across Canada. It is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week to offer counseling and crisis intervention. Life can be tough and we've all been there so call the toll-free helpline at 1-855-242-3310 or connect online to their chat at hopeforwellness.ca and remember that your podcast entities love you